Welcome to the Columbia View Wesleyan Church Podcast, where you can catch all of our teaching and preaching right here. If you'd like to get more connected here at Columbia View Wesleyan Church, please check out our website at www.columbiaview.org. Thessalonians is such a fun book. I'm in chapter 5, starting with verse 9, and Paul has some promises for us as he finishes up his writing to this church. And I'd like to share some of those promises with you. Starting with verse 19, I said 9, starting with verse 19 in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to what is good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Paul is talking to the church that's trying to survive. I shared last Sunday in a very harsh environment, a harsh environment that persecutes the Christians and a harsh environment that pursues very sinful living and calls it the norm. And here again, at the end of 1 Thessalonians, at the end of chapter 5, he says, here's some things that I'm asking you to do. And I'm, and I'm asking God to do these things, and he will do these things. And I'd just like to break it down a little bit and talk about it. He talks about, don't tempt the evil one. I'm not going to go into that very deep, but we've got to be careful not to tempt the evil one. The enemy would drag us away into sin, away from his um, purpose for our life in every possible way he can. He'll do what he can to put out the Spirit's fire in our life. I remember years ago watching a little girl at the seaside at the coast over by Cannon Beach. I've never lived around the ocean. I don't think I would, and I've shared this before, I don't think I would enjoy a house on the beach. There's something eerie and fearful in me about deep water. I've gone out on the beach several times late at night on purpose in the darkness and stood there. Has anybody ever done that and just listened to the surf breaking in? It just does something inside me that's not good. So you'll go up in the mountains, in the snow, in the forest. It is so quiet out there. It is so quiet out there. I can... Yes, exactly. I, I was going to defend myself, but I'm just going to wholeheartedly totally agree with you. I was raised there. It's funny, isn't it? No, in the mountains, in the snow. And I was taught how to go off alone. That's fair. Ken, that's a fair question. My answer is unequivocally yes. Here's the point. I saw a little girl years ago out there in the, in the waves, teasing the waves. And I heard her mother say, you be careful, those will take you away. 
and the little girl, you know, how it's just doing the, no, she's in control of the whole world. She's getting out deeper and mom's telling her to come back and, and there's no horrible story that she got swept away in here. I just think of that when I think about um, testing sinful things. We, we have this childish kind of a thought process that says, I can keep doing this sinful thing and it hasn't got me yet. And there, and we all understand, those of you who've been around the water understand there's very, um, very harsh life and death things that happen and you gotta be prepared, you gotta be ready. Even in my little lake by my house, um, a year ago, you probably heard about it on the news, there was a 20 something year old young man out on a paddle boat and it was leaking on Blue Lake and it was taking on water and it sunk and he actually um, drowned on Blue Lake literally a stone's throw from, from either side, but he couldn't swim. And by the time he panicked and asked people for help, there were people trying to get there, and there were some of his buddies, young men, were dived in and swimming as hard as they could go, and he went under and stayed under. I first heard about it because I heard helicopters, and I would come outside to see if some, you know, is it cops, is it what, and there were choppers circling Blue Lake all afternoon and they were trying to find him and they did recover him but he did not make it testing, tempting that's the idea in my head big water to me is deeper than this right and um, I do some fishing with my canoe on Blue Lake from time to time and I according to my anchor rope it's about 25 feet deep where I want to sit do my fishing. That's deep water for me because I cannot stand on the bottom and keep my chin out. Don't test it, he says. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to, on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Don't go out there and play with it. Be careful. The result of following the enemy and his temptations in our life has not changed over 2,000 years. He still is the same enemy. He's still as powerful as he ever was. And he still has one intent. I'm going to say this carefully, but the enemy, the devil, has only one thing he wants to do that's destroy your life until he takes you into hell forever that's it he's got no other purpose for existence he will do everything he can in every way he can to everyone around you he can to destroy your life and drag you to hell forever Paul's recognizing that and he's saying, don't play with that. Don't give an inch to him. Say no to him. Don't let him put out the fire that the Spirit has built in you. We have new believers here. We have, we have visitors here. We have three or four people that have never been here before here today and it's exciting to me. In a spiritual realm, 
God is capable of changing your life forever. And he does it in the depth of our spirit. And the scripture talks about him lighting a fire in you. And Paul says, don't let that go out. And the enemy will do it. The devil will put that fire out if you let him. But it's our choice to say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going to test those waves. I'm going to hang on to what God has begun in me. And it doesn't matter if you're a brand new believer. It doesn't matter if maybe you're realizing for the first time the scripture talks about the scales falling off of our eyes. The first time maybe today you're saying, wow, there's something to that. And I can repent and believe and God will change my life. It doesn't matter if that's where you're at or if you have faithfully served God for many years. Our choice today is not to go tease the waves. Let's back up from that and let's follow him. And then Paul says, in essence, if you back up, if you'll trust him, if you'll follow him with all you have, he's going to do some things for you. May God himself keep you blameless. May God himself keep you blameless. He will be there every moment, every day, every situation, every decision. He can keep you blameless. He can do it. It's not me that keeps me blameless. It's a good thing. Because I am not capable of that. It's he who keeps me blameless. And he does that by, by empowering me and controlling. Giving, when I give him control, he has control of my life and I let him have that. And he gives me, he, he teaches me and he leads me and he counsels me. And he's always with me. I have a, a, a story here I want to share. A little boy named Timmy was five years old. Whose mom loved him very much. And being a warrior, she was concerned about him walking to school when he started kindergarten. She walked him to school the first couple of days. And at the end of the week, he came home from school and told his mother that he didn't want her to walk him to school every day. He wanted to be like the big boys, and he protested loudly. So she had an idea of how to handle it. She asked the neighbor, Mrs. Goodnest, if she would please follow him to school in the morning, staying at a distance so he probably wouldn't notice her. Mrs. Goodnest said that since she was up early with her toddler anyway, it would be a good way for them to get some exercise as well. So she agreed. The next school day, Mrs. Goodnest and her little girl, Marcy, set out following behind Timmy as he walked to school with the other neighbor boy he knew. She did this for a whole week. 
As the boys walked and chatted, kicking stones and twigs, Timmy's little friend noticed the same lady was following them as she seemed to do every day all week. Finally, he said to Timmy, Have you noticed that lady following us to school all week? Do you know her? Timmy said, Yeah, I know who she is. Well, who is she? That's just Shirley Goodnest, Timmy replied. And her daughter, Marcy. Shirley who? Shirley Goodnest. Who is she and why is she following us? Timmy said, well, every night mom is so afraid of me going to school alone that she makes me say the 23rd Psalm in my prayers. She's worried about me so much I have to say it every night. And it says in there that surely goodness and Marcy will follow me all the days of my life. <laughs> so we better just get used to it. <laughs> Paul says, may he by his power keep you blameless. You can't find a book in the scriptures. You can't hardly find a page in the scriptures that doesn't back up that promise that Paul makes that if we will follow him with all our heart, he will keep us blameless. We face things every day and we don't know which way to turn. We face decisions every day. We face, we live in a really goofy world. And he is the only one that has the power in all the universe to follow me every day. Get used to it. And keep you blameless. He is the one. And he can sanctify you through and through and through. I have another story. This may be my silly stories day. This is more of a parable about a servant in India years ago, and it was his job. He was the water bearer to a very wealthy person. He had two large pots, and they hung on a pole across his neck, and one of the pots had a crack in it, which came down about halfway. And every day he would walk down to the creek, and fill those two pots and bring them back up to the house for water. And he never ever fixed the crack in the one that was cracked. For two years this went on every day with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots of water to his master's house. Of course, the perfect pot was real proud of the fact that every day when they got to the house that the servant was able to deliver a full pot of water because this pot was perfect. And it would harass the cracked pot as often as possible about the fact that it was a cracked pot. One day, not being able to take the humiliation any longer, when they got down to the creek, the servant 
filled both pots and the cracked pot cried out in desperation so that the servant heard him and said, why do you continue to use me? For two years, I've only been able to deliver half a pot to the master and you know that I have a crack in me and you know that I can't deliver a full pot of water and you're still carrying me anyhow and I'm a total failure. The servant in response to the pot said, as we return to the master's house, I'd like you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path and we'll talk later. So they did. They get to the house. The crackpot says, I saw beautiful flowers along the path, but I don't understand what that has to do with me. The servant said, you're hearing me, aren't you here? Did you notice there are no flowers on the other side of the path? They're only on your side of the path. One of my jobs is to provide flowers for the master's table whenever there's a meal. And so I've allowed your crack to remain there because every day as I return to the house, we water the flowers. And some days, if you notice, I stop and pick some for the master's table. It's kind of a cool story, isn't it? God has a way Paul says to the Thessalonians to take a cracked pot to set it aside, to sanctify it through and through. That means to totally set it aside for a very specific purpose and then use that and beautify it and empower it to be supernaturally active and powerful and effective in his kingdom. I think that's kind of a cool story. Sanctify means just to set apart. I, I'll use the communion table, which we don't have here. It's right around the corner in there. On the first Sunday of the month, we have communion. We bring this table out. And uh, if we went in there to have dinner on a third Sunday of the month, and Linda had set the communion table up over there where we served the drinks and had all the drinks on it, some of you would give her the same look you're giving me. You're like, what? We're not going to do that. Why? We've set that table apart on purpose. It has a purpose. It's not a big spiritual thing. It's not a big, um, it's not even that big a thing, except we've decided communion is very important to us. We want to have a special table for that. And that's it. Please don't put the coffee on it. Fair enough? Sanctify it. Paul says, may he through his power keep you blameless and set you apart through and through for his purposes. How cool is that? Even with my crack and my brokenness. Your whole spirit, soul, and body may be kept blameless at the coming of of our Lord. And so I can stand before him completely and totally blameless. 
I don't know how much you know about um, refining of silver. I don't know a lot about it. But blameless at the time of the judgment day, blameless at the coming of our Lord, has that completely cleansed idea in it. And I have another story about the, the, the process of refining silver to make it pure that I'd like to share that kind of illustrates that blameless thing. Because sometimes in the process, there's fire involved. Fire's hot. We don't enjoy heat. Too much of it. And it's hard. Our lives, our lives are affected by fire. Our lives are affected by the hurts around us. Our lives are affected by so many things that go on in our lives. And we feel like we're just getting beat up. We're getting eaten up. We're being destroyed by the evil around us. And Paul is giving us a promise that we will be kept blameless in the midst of all of this. There's a refining fire that we can't put out that's changing us. A few people met to study the scriptures while reading the third chapter of Malachi. They came upon a remarkable expression of the third verse. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. One lady proposed to visit a silversmith and report to them on what he said about the subject. She went accordingly and without telling the object of her errand, begged the silversmith to tell her about the process of refining silver. After he had fully described it to her, she asked, But sir, do you sit while the work of the refining is going on? Oh, yes, ma'am, he replied. I must sit with my eyes steadily fixed on the furnace. For if the time necessary for refining has exceeded, is exceeded in the slightest degree, the silver will be injured. The ladies now at once saw the beauty and the comfort, too, of the expression, he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. God sees it needful to put his children into a furnace. His eye is steadily intent on the work of purifying, and his wisdom and love are both engaged in the best manner for us. Our trials do not come at random, and he will not let us be tested beyond what we can endure. Before she left, the lady asked one final question. When do you know the process is complete? And he said, why, that's quite simple. When I can see my own image in the silver, I know it has been refined. That's kind of cool. He watches the fire to make sure it's just right until he sees his image in the silver. Paul said, may you be kept blameless. May you be sanctified through and through and through. And your whole body and your spirit at the coming of the Lord our God. He doesn't call us when we reach out to him, whether it be the first time we ever do or whether it be in the process of a lifetime of following him. He doesn't reach to us and say, I'm here, I'm enough Follow me. He doesn't do that and then leave us hanging there. He's so much more capable of that. We have to get out of his way. Let him purify us. Let him sanctify us. 
and trust him. And he will do this. I have one more story. I have two stories. One's an old one you may have heard. When you have a child and you realize they have a gift, you want to see that grow and expand. And you get excited about that. We had a son that one Sunday afternoon we were sitting in our uh, basement in a little family playroom area we had, living area. And um, we heard the piano playing upstairs. He wasn't very big. He was bigger than Mateo, but not a lot. He could, we were surprised he could get on the piano bench. He was that size. He worked hard to get up there. And we heard plink, 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 plink. And Patty and I both had piano lessons, so I thought it was her up there plinking out one of the songs we sang in church that Sunday morning. And you heard it and hitting the wrong notes and go starting over and hitting the wrong note and starting over until there was kind of a, it was coming together. And I thought, is that Patty? I mean, she could just get the book out and we both can play real slow with one finger. That's how good we are. And I was like, is that Patty? And I looked over there and she's sitting there and she's looking at me. So we go upstairs and here's Josh, our middle, our second son, had got onto that piano bench and he was doing it. And we're like, we better do something with this. Got him lessons, da 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 da. We had this old piano and you know, mom and dads want a better one, right? So our son's a few years older than that. He's not very big. So this would have been in about 1990. He's born in 86. So it would have been 94, 95, 93, somewhere in there. He understood money a little, but not real well. And we were at a piano place, piano show at Christmas in the middle of a mall. And they had this piano that he just loved. He went over there and he started playing it. And it was a, it looked like a grand piano, but it was a electronic also. And uh, he played that. And he was good enough. He was making it dance a little bit. And I was impressed. And Pat and I were impressed. So I asked the guy, how much, how much does this cost? And he said, $79.95. $7,995. And my son's eyes just lit up. And he said, Dad, can we get it? I said, no, son, there's no way we can get this piano. So the guy, salesman, starts talking payments, da 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 That was worth more than both cars I was driving at the time. There's no way that we could do it. I made some joke about, it doesn't even have a transmission. There's no way I can afford that. And we walked away, and Josh was just beside himself. Dad, we can do it. And finally he pulls on my arm and I stop and I said, we can't. And he looked me square and I as serious as could be. And he said, Dad, it's only $79.95 and I've got 50 in the bank myself. His mind just couldn't comprehend the fact that I couldn't come up with $29 to buy that piano. So I sat down, I explained him what the man said and his his devastated him because he also knew 
We didn't buy the piano. We couldn't buy the piano. It wasn't going to happen. Our God doesn't bring us to some point and then just leave us. He has the power to give us exactly what we need. It may not be the way we see it. It may not be the way we hope for it. But he will empower us to be strong, to be our spirit can be blameless, our soul can be blameless, our body can be blameless. There's nothing that can keep me from the purity of God if I'll just look at him, follow him. And he takes my life, whether it's a broken pot or whether it's immature or incapable, or whatever it is, he takes that and I give it to him and he turns it into something beautiful. Years ago, my last story, and I'm closing with this, wishing to encourage her young son's progress on the piano. A young mother who knew her son was gifted in music took her boy to a Paderewski, Paderewski concert very famous pianist back in the day. After they were seated in this great hall, the mother spotted a friend she knew in the audience and walked down the aisle to greet her. Seizing the moment, I'm sure no other little child has ever done this, but seizing the opportunity to explore the wonders of the great concert hall, the little boy rose and eventually explored his way through a door marked no admittance. When the house lights dimmed and the concert was about to begin, the mother returned to her seat and discovered that the child was gone. Suddenly the curtains parted, the spotlights focused on the impressive Steinway on the stage, and in horror, the mother saw her little boy sitting at the keyboard, innocently beginning to plank out a finger at a time Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Now what do you do? That's my boy! At that moment, the great piano master made his entrance and quickly moved to the piano, leaned over, listened, whispered in the little boy's ear, I'm emotional because I see God doing this in my life every day. He leaned down and whispered in his ear and said, don't quit, just keep playing. Then leaning over, he took his left arm and began filling in the bass. Soon his right arm reached around the other side of the child and he added a running obligato. Together, the old master and the young novice performed a frightening, transformed a frightening situation into an amazing, wonderfully creative experience. The audience was mesmerized. And I just submit to you that our God is able to keep everything that you've committed to Him to make you pure, to make you holy, 
to sanctify you through and through and keep you blameless and spotless until that day when our Christ will return. And he takes you, whether you're young and inexperienced and don't have a clue, that little boy was just playing what he knew. And the master turned it into an amazing thing. I don't care what you struggle with. I don't care where that crack is in your pot. <laughs> you can't keep playing with the waves. You can't keep tempting them. Nanner, nanner, nanner. Because one of them will get you. But you walk away from that. Whatever brokenness there is. Whatever immaturity there is. Whatever injury there is. Our God will forgive that sin. He will heal that soul. He'll heal that body. He'll heal that mind. And he'll add what he needs. And he'll keep me blameless. Until that day I meet my king. Amen. Paul promised it. Scripture promises it. Hey, thanks for joining us for this week's episode. It's our passion to know and share God's heart, and we're honored to have done that with you. Be sure to catch our latest sermons right here. And if you'd like to visit us in person, go to our website at www.columbiaview.org for directions.